Park Flyer Podcast, Episode 5, Safety. Welcome to the Park Flyer Podcast, where we discuss the ups and downs of the new RC Flyer. Join your hosts, Michael and Jay, as they take flight at the park. Now on with the show. Well, welcome to the uh, Park Flyer Podcast once again. Today we're talking about calling 911 because something has gone wrong at the field. Uh, what I mean by that is uh, we're talking about safety. With me tonight, my co-host, Jay. Hey, it's Jay in the AK. How are you guys doing tonight? <laughs> I'm doing great. And yourself? I'm doing fantastic. I, in fact, I don't have any uh, Band-Aids on or, or in a splint or anything, but uh, I'm always up for talking about safety. KMG365. <laughs> well, that's good. Um, one of my big pet peeves in the park is uh, the neck strap. Uh, I have seen more incidences with, with these neck straps. And, and I'm not against the neck strap. Personally, I don't fly with one. But I know a lot of guys that do. And it does give you a little bit of a stability. But I have seen so many guys bend over to pick up their model or the they let loose of their radio to hang from their neck because it's on this neck strap. And if they turn or walk away or they're holding their, their airplane in one hand, they catch the throttle switch and go wide open throttle. This particular case, I, I watched the guy do it, and his airplane was sitting on the ground. Yeah. He went to go disconnect the battery. As he reached over and undid the hatch, his ba- his, he was bent over, so he's, you know his radio is hanging there, and the radio started to spin. And it spun in the left hand, it spun left turn, and it hit the throttle. So here he is holding the battery switch and about to disconnect the battery. The airplane shot out full throttle, went right through the parking lot and smashed into this guy's car. Not only did it damage the car, but it totally destroyed the airplane as well. Wow. Yeah, it was crazy. And of course, everybody's bailing out of the way, jumping, you know, running. And luckily nobody was hurt. But, you know, the guy that had the Mercedes sitting over there wasn't too happy. (laughs) (laughs) That'll buff out. (laughs) Yes, exactly. You know, so I, I've learned from way back not to bring my Ferrari to, you know, to the club, just in the off chance that somebody runs into it with the, I really, I really don't have a Ferrari, but <laughs> it would be nice though. Right? I usually take my, I usually take my old pickup truck. So yeah, that that's what I have. Get the old pickup truck. <laughs> Plus it fits more planes than the Ferrari. Exactly. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but do I, you fly with an X strap. I'm, I'm an X strap guy. And I know you, you really have, you know, like I said, it's, it all kind of depends on what you're used to. And I know for you, you had such a negative experience that you don't like to use them. For me, I like to use them, but I, I'm a safety guy. So my career and things that I've done before, I, I've done a lot of safety type things. And so I like to get myself in a routine. So from a, Early starting into this hobby, I always lock my thumb over the throttle, and I still do it to this day. And I'm not saying that you you know you shouldn't use an X strap or you should use an X strap, but for me, that's the method I use to guarantee that I keep the throttle off, and I and I kind of lock my finger down overneath the throttle so that if I bend over, I'm doing something else. I always have positive control on that throttle stick, so you know I can understand where you're coming from because most beginners. They're just like you said, they just have it on their neck. It's dangling around doing a 360 around their head. So I can see the, 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 the definite need for doing that. Or now with the new computer radios, putting a, a throttle cutoff. That's one of the things that I also do on my radios as well. Well, I, I know that you and I, when we started out, the radios didn't have that throttle cutoff switch. And, and I, I'm in the same boat that you are. I don't have a neck strap, so I'm constantly holding my radio. I can't really let go of it unless I set it down on the bench or on the ground. So I always keep, I always hold the radio in my left hand and I always have my thumb over the, the throttle stick, just like you. Uh, I have to do it out of necessity because I don't really wear a neck strap. But nowadays we have basically digital radios that allow us to program a throttle cutoff. And actually as far back as the DX6i, when I had the DX6i, although I didn't realize it at the time because I didn't understand what that cutoff meant, but we had a cutoff on the DX6i. Right. The only bad part about it is most newbies don't know to to use it. 
they have no clue how to either program it or how to use it. Um, and I'm not sure on some of the other radios like Futaba, but I'm, I'm going to assume that they do just the way that things are being competitive. I know when we had Mike Barslew on before from our radio episode on his Tyrannus radio, it, he has a cutoff switch that he can program on his as well. So I, I'm assuming most computer radios have that function. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think most of them do have uh, some sort of cutoff switch, but uh, how, how do you program yours? Well, on the DX9, it's an actual function. There, you look down on the list, and on there it says cutoff switch, and it's real easy. You say on or off. There's nothing really to program. You're just turning a feature on or off, and then you just have to select which switch you want to assign the cutoff switch to. So the biggest thing for, for that is, is that you are, what's the word I'm looking for? You maintain the same consistency. So I have the cutoff switch on one of my rear, back rear switches, two-way switches, and that's always my cutoff switch. On any any model that I have, whether it's a quad, a plane, a, a car, that's always my cutoff switch. Yeah, mine is the, uh, when you're holding the radio, it's it's usually the the index finger switch in the back. Right. And and I, I, fly, I fly with all my switches forward. So I, I put everything towards the back of the radio. So if it's in an up position, like if it's on the front of your radio, everything is in the up position and the ones on the back are towards the back of the radio. That way, if I want to cut it off, I, I know that if I turn it back towards me, it's cut off. If I push it forward, then it's active. But I think you're, I think you're the opposite. Exact opposite. Well, you know, I'm a, I'm from Alaska, so, you know, I have the opposite from you. <laughs> you're backwards. <laughs> well, the key is it doesn't really matter in that sense. It's that you're consistently doing that. So even when we fly each other's planes on each other's radio, once you realize that I'm totally opposite from you, that all the switches are forward or all the switches are back, it's an easy transition as opposed to some switches are forward, some switches are back, then it's chaos. But since we're totally opposite from each other, it's a it's an easy mind flip to just go, oh my, his stuff on and off is just the opposite way. And it's, and it's easy to, to make the switch. I will tell you though, that the one problem that I have dep is depending on the, on the ESC. I've run several different types of ESCs. Some of the FC ESCs are higher quality than others. But I have noticed that some of the lower quality ones don't respond to the on-off switch if it's on or off. It yes. When I plug yes. the battery in, it has to be on when I plug the battery in. If it's off, which is where I normally keep it in the off position, and I plug the battery in, when I plug the battery in and put it in the on position, the motor, the motor comes on. It's, it's very important to understand if I'm programming this, Make sure that every switch is on where it should be. Plug the, the battery in, let the ESC start up, and then turn it off, and you're, you're safer that way. Because I've had it where you plugged it in, and you know, it took off running. Well, usually they don't take off. They don't take, they don't take off totally running, you know, full power. They'll come, it'll come on, but it'll be at a very low setting. But it depends on where your throttle is. True. That's very true. But it normally doesn't come up, you know, full, full blast and gets going. It, it, but it does, does scare you a little bit because all of a sudden the, the, the throttle, you know, the, the blades will start turning and you're like, whoa, what's going on? So that's, that's not too, too dangerous, but that kind of leads us to something else. And that is trying to get through to people. And I know I'm guilty of this all the time. And that is if you're doing any major, you know, construction, maintenance, on your system or you're tweaking on something, take the blades off. Wait, take the blades off. Wait a minute. Take the blades off. Really take them off. You know, in this instance that we're just talking about, for the most part, it's not going to cause a problem. But if you're tweaking with your radio, if you're messing with the battery, you know, more than just plugging in, going off to take off, take the stupid prop off. I, I, it's just, you're going to save yourself a lot of hassles. So take the props off. Like a few stitches or, or 
a cut <laughs> on your on your bomb like I have. Well, I will say that chicks love scars. So <laughs> I have plenty sex- of those. I am the sexiest man alive. Let me tell you. <laughs> I have a few. I have a few battle scars. As a matter of fact, we were working on the uh, what I have that uh, Hangar Nine. I have a katana that's a Hangar Nine. It's a big airplane. It's big. It's a six oh, yeah. cell. It's it's you know oh, yeah. probably what eighty two inches. It was sitting in the living room without the wings on, and you and I were messing around with it. What did I do? I leaned right over the front end of that thing with a 13 or 14-inch prop sitting right there. I plugged the battery in. Yep, remember that? Plugged the battery in, and when I started to stand up, I hit that switch, and it started up. And sure enough, it caught right in the palm of my hand. Man, it cut me big time. Left probably a good what two inch slice right in my in the fleshy part of your hand. I was bleeding like a stuck pig. Well, you know, most people would would panic when that would happen, but I I knew that <laughs> you, being as resourceful as you were, had a way around it. Ca to the rescue. Yeah, ca glue. I put a little drop. Now I don't know. You probably shouldn't do this if you're allergic to it, but uh, at the time. I was bleeding, and I just put a little CA right there and, and held my skin together. And sure enough, from our last glue episode, we know that CA will glue your skin together. That's what they do at the hospital nowadays, too. They will CA you to, you know, instead of giving you stitches, they'll CA you together on certain cuts. That's true. You know, the other thing in my uh, my first aid kit for disasters, I disasters. guess. Yeah, no, disaster, yeah. That's good. <laughs> RC disasters uh, is the blenderm tape. Yes. So I, I CA'd myself, put the blender on it, and there you go. And I'm no, sure this is probably going to leave our, our staff to do another public service announcement <laughs> for the uh, don't use CA glue on your cuts. But but it did work in a pinch, and uh, it stopped the bleeding. And it was just in the fleshy part of my hand. It wasn't really a deep cut. It just it wasn't a scratch, but it wasn't deep enough to like go out and get stitches. It just kind of barely cut me. You have a funny story about... You're, you're cutting as well, I think, right? Where, where were you working on a quad or? Right. So I was out, I had a quadcopter, uh, um, a fairly large one, had 10 inch blades on it. And I was trying to get it stabilized. You know, I, I put it together. You go out, you test fly it. You see if it's wobbling or having some issues. And I had a great flight. And, and this seems to be a, a theme that with most of my stories, I just had a fantastic flight. I had some, you know, I wanted to go up and fly it again. I landed it and I went to go take off again and it, it wasn't arming itself. It wouldn't arm. I was kind of baffled as to why it wasn't arming itself. Now I landed kind of hard and I thought to myself, well, I probably knocked something loose. So I should go over there, check it out and see why it's not arming. Kind of like your story. I'm standing over this thing. I brought it back, put it on the bench. It's the battery still connected. I put the radio down, put it off to the side so that I couldn't bump it or anything. And so I proceeded to jiggle wires and I'm jiggling things to see if anything's loose. I'm standing over it. Uh, Mike in the AK is with me at that time. He's over there messing with his model and I'm over this thing and I decided to pull a connection out. I don't remember which one it was, but I pulled something out just to see if it was loose. The second I pulled it out, the quadcopter came alive and not just one blade all four <laughs> blades and it the second thing <laughs> we have liftoff <laughs> it happened in half a second all i could do is raise my hand up in front of my face it happened it was over in an instant it was like whap 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 and mike said what happened what happened and i said i don't know you know because i was kind of in shock and i'm kind of putting my sunglasses back on and i'm kind of looking around and i look down on my hand and i notice i go whoa I think I'm bleeding. <laughs> what was well, your first clue? It, it happened so quick. And I really didn't feel, I just felt the quadcopter kind of come up in my face. Mike kind of looks at me. He's like, oh my God, Jay. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and he's like, did, did, that, did that thing cut you across the face? And I go, no, I don't think so. And then I look down at my hands and I go, whoa, I'm bleeding. And I kind of open my hand up and I look at my fingers. One piggy, two piggy, three piggy, four piggy, five. Oh, good. Wait a minute. <laughs> That middle one should be a little longer than that other one. I go, holy crap. And I, I ball my hand up, you know, back in a ball. I look at Mike and I go, yeah, I think I need to go to the hospital. And he's like, ah. He said, your face isn't cut, right? And I go, no, my face doesn't seem to be cut. Um, but I'm missing the tip of my finger. <laughs> and he's like, what? And I go, 
yeah, my tip of my finger's gone. And he's like, is it laying anywhere around here? And I go, I kind of did a quick look around. And I go, man, that thing went flying. I mean, that thing hit me so hard in the face. I have no idea where the tip of my, you know, where the tip of my finger's at. So I tell you what, I'm not in a lot of pain. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm applying pressure, direct pressure. Let's go. And he's like, oh my gosh. Oh, I forgot to mention. While this is all going on, when the helicopter, I mean, when my quadcopter lifted off, it uh, hit me, bounced back on the table, and hit a four-cell battery that was laying there. And so if you don't know, <laughs> we have to, we'll probably go over this in another safety issue or, or a battery issue. So when it hit the battery, let's yes. just say when air hits lithium and you, there's lots of moisture in the air, it means instant fire. So the, <laughs> the battery started to cook off. And so there's a huge fire on top of the bench, which is soaked with fuel from all, you know, I was flying at a site where guys use fuel and stuff. So there's a, it's a fuel soaked bench, you know, it's about 200 years old, has all this fuel on it. So imagine putting a magnesium <laughs> flare on top of that. So it's, it's cooking pretty good. Mike is running around. Oh my God. Oh my God. There's a fire. <laughs> Call the cops. So I, I kind of knocked the battery off onto the, onto the ground. As each cell gets hot, it would cook off. So it, it would cook, it would eat up all the lithium in the one and get the next one hot and it, would, and it would blow, poof, and it would start burning like another magnesium flare. So Mike's trying to kick dirt on. He's like, I can't, this thing won't go out. And I'm like, just leave it. We're out, it's, we're, you know, our field, we have dirt all over. I'm like, it's, just let it burn, you know? And he's like, but it's burning. It's going to you know, start a fire. And I'm like, you know, no, it won't. Just leave it alone. It's fine. As I'm standing there, Mike comes running back over and he looks at me and he's like, oh man. I really think we should get you to the hospital. I'm like, ah, okay, well, let's just gather up all our stuff. Let's go. We gather up all our stuff. We go driving towards the hospital. And Mike goes, look, there's a cop. Let's stop him. And I go, <laughs> and I'm like, Mike, let's just drive to the, it's only, Mike, the, the hospital's only two miles away or a mile away. We really don't need to stop this cop because he's going to look and go, why is that guy all covered in blood? <laughs> you know, what happened? Where were, you know, you know how police officers are there. He's going to ask me the who, what, where, and why. And at this time my head's starting to throb. So I'm like, I'd rather go to the hospital and explain to him for the next 20 minutes what happened. And he's going to be like, well, what's a quadcopter and who is she? You know, <laughs> no, it's not a sheet. You said it was a sheet, right? Is <laughs> that what, her blood? Is that your blood? What exactly. have you done with the body? <laughs> I, I, I finally convinced him not to stop, stop the cop. And we drive past the guy and we go on to the hospital. Meanwhile, he's like, get my, he wants, he's, let me call your wife and you know, all this stuff. And he's staying in the car trying to call her up and, and I go walking into the hospital. So I, I walk up to the door and there's this guy walking out of the door and he, he looks at me, he goes, tough day, huh? I go, man, you don't know. <laughs> and his eyes were like kind of big and I'm, and I kind of, I'm kind of joking with him, blah, blah, blah. And so I walk into the lobby of the, the waiting room for the emergency room. And you know how you walk in a room and it's like all that background noise, everybody's talking and hoo and whatever else. And I walk in the room and it was like right. screech, like somebody pulled the, you know, <laughs> grabbed the needle on a record player and the, it just got quiet in there and everybody <laughs> stops and they're looking at me and I'm kind of like, Ooh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> did I, you know, my breath smell or what? And so I'm standing behind this guy waiting in line and there's a guy ahead of me. And so he's, he's got his, his back to me and he's kind of signing something and he turns and he kind of turns around to see like who's standing behind him and he sees me and he goes, Oh, you can go ahead of me. And I go, no, no, man, go ahead and finish up, finish up your work. And he's like, no, 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 you can go ahead of me. And I, and I, and I walk up to the front of the counter and the guy sitting behind the counter, they're just kind of, you know, doing a lot of paperwork and they look at me and they're like, Holy crap, what can we do for you? And I go, I uh, had a little incident unbeknownst to me why everybody stopped talking and why everybody got quiet and why everybody was giving me funny looks and stuff. It wasn't until an hour later after I got stitched up and, and taken care of, I went to the bathroom and it looked like I had taken a shotgun and I blew somebody's brains out <laughs> and the blood was on one side of my face. Just my whole side of my face was just matted with blood. <laughs> now I didn't get cut in the face or, or anything like that. But what had happened was I hit a little artery uh, in my finger, the tip of my finger. And just to understand, quadcopter I was using had carbon blades. It just so happens that carbon blades, if you know anything about them, they are uber sharp. The doctor couldn't understand, wanted to know what did I cut myself with? Because 
he's like, did you cut yourself with a scalpel? Did you cut yourself with this? And I'm like, no, it was a carbon blade. And he, he didn't quite understand. I was kind of explaining how the carbon's made and, and, and what goes on with it. And he's like, well, I've never seen a cut as crisp and, and clean as this. And in fact, it was so crisp and clean, he couldn't stop the bleeding. And he had to cauterize my finger in order to stop the bleeding. Okay, uh. so that was an experience. That's a whole other <laughs> little side story. But anyway, so when I'm looking in the mirror, when I got cut, my finger, the blood, you know, hit that artery, the blood shot out and shot all along the side of my finger. Cause what, why Mike was so appalled was it looked like I had chopped my ear off because the blood had got on my ear and whatever and matted and everything else. So it looked like, it looked like I quite literally shot my ear off or cut my ear off and the blood was all down that side of my face, which I, I couldn't see nor feel, but everybody, when I walked into the right. waiting room, they just see this guy and I'm just covered with blood. Like, Oh my God, who did he kill? And, uh, so that's when I was like, I started chuckling cause I thought I was kind of funny. The other thing, then I started shaking. And the reason I started shaking was I looked at my hat. So I took my hat off and it looked like somebody took a slice-o-matic and had made clean slices right down the brim of my hat, right to where my face should have been. Right. It was right then right. that I realized that two, because I'm a ex safety guy, the two things that I normally always wear no matter what activity I'm doing, fishing, running around the woods, I always wear sunglasses and I always wear a brimmed hat. You know, keeps the sun on my eyes, but it also keeps things that are flinging or whatever from hitting your face. And because I was wearing that brimmed hat, it stopped those blades from hitting my face. And of course, being that I was wearing my, my sunglasses or safety glasses that I have, that would have stopped it as well. I really could have messed my beautiful face up if I, if I wasn't wearing those things. I would no longer be able to be a, a male model, you know, hand model. There you go. <laughs> well, you know, technically it's a good thing you didn't stop the cop because I think they would have arrested I Mike so. at the time. I, I, looking I, at you I just and, see <laughs> that as being that you know, one situation going from worse, you know, bad to worse because – like I said, I would have said, yeah, I was flying my quad and she's not doing so good now. And then she caught fire and they'd be like, you set her on fire. Like, no, I didn't. No, officer, I didn't set her on fire. She caught on fire. Right. You were trying to burn the body. What body? You're covered in blood, but it's That's my right. blood. You know, take us there. I want to go to the hospital. Yeah. That, right. No, no way I would have talked me out of that. That, that would have been bad. bad. So what did you learn from that other than don't pull wires out of the, the well, control Well, once board? again, I, it surprised me about the wires. I'd never realized that flying a quadcopter off of the flight control board by pulling out, you know, regular connectors for like going to the receiver could cause the quadcopter to come alive. Because once again, a quadcopter doesn't work the same as a plane. I could do that on a plane, but you can't do that on a quadcopter. And I didn't realize that. But had I just followed my safety room uh, rule as per I said in the, in the fr first part of this, take the props off. Had I taken the props off and then worked on the quadcopter, I mean, taking the props off would have take, taken, what, a minute to, to whip off all the props and then start right. working on it? And then it would have right. woke up, came alive, zzz, and would have spun, would have, it would have surprised me, it would have maybe peed a little, and then, you know, it would have been a funny story. <laughs> uh, and then without sure. having to go to the emergency room and explain to my wife why I had to miss a day of work and, you know, grow back my fingertip. It's definitely something, you know, it's funny now, but I was really lucky because like I said, had I not done some other safety things of wearing the hat, wearing sunglasses, I could have lost an eye. I, you know, I could have cut my face all off, chopped my nose off. I, oh, I forgot to tell you, I also cut my wrist as well. Uh, when the blade, as it went down, it's kind of funny. I can hold up my hand. You can see where I went across the brim of my hat, went down across, took on my finger, went down, down my arm. And then you could, I had two more cuts down my arm that I ought, that had to get stitches from the, from that stupid blade as well. And like I said, carbon, carbon blades cuts like nobody's business. No, I hear you. How, how many stitches did you get total? In my finger, I want to say they had to give me almost 20 stitches in my finger. It's not like normal stitches. I mean, this was like internal surgery type stitches that she had to sit there and, you know, after she cauterized the wound. And it was kind of funny because uh, cauterizers, they come in different sizes. Uh, who, who knew? So they got out yeah. this little itty bitty one that looked kind of like uh, a fine soldering iron. And there are, pss, 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 you know, on my finger, it smells like bacon. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so, uh, it, that was not stopping the bleeding. And of course, as my blood's pumping 
And the more excited I would get, the further the stream would get of blood as they, you know, they would, they would try to get it, uh, to stop the, the artery from squirting. And I would just kind of come out in this little, just a little, little thing, you know, pulse. It would come out every time I had pulse. Well, the tighter and tighter they did, it, it was kind of like a fire hose, right? you know, not a fire hose, but a, a garden hose when you kind of, uh, crimp the end of it and you spray the water up further. So she almost got it closed and she just had a little bit left and it was built up the pressure. And so the next pulse that I had, it shot it out across the room about 15 feet and it was perfect. The guy was walking across the opening of the, the little emergency thing that I was sitting in, you know, the room I was sitting in and spurted him right in the face. And, and he about, he, he came unglued. He's like, what was that? And I just started laughing. The doctor started laughing. It, it really was funny. Now the guy, I'm sure he has a different story, but at least for me and the doc, oh, I'm sure. we thought it was hilarious. And then she goes, ah, this isn't working. I'm going to have to get out another one. And she brings out this much bigger, it looked like a, uh, like a branding iron. <laughs> Super size. It was like the size of a flashlight. And I go, what's that for? And she goes, oh, when we amputate arms off, this is what you put on the end of it to stop <laughs> it from bleeding. And I'm like, you're going to stick that on my finger. And she's like, I can't get it to stop. And I'm like, okay, so that, (laughs) sorry to creep everybody out, but um, like I said, it's kind of funny now, but uh, I I started to question like, what, what medical school did you graduate from? Ah, it's in Columbia somewhere. Don't worry. (laughs) It's all good. Oh, I went to this Bahamian Island that nobody really knows about. I got my medical degree. You know, online. But no, she did. She did a really great job. And for as bad as an accident as it was, everything turned out quite well. I lost a battery. I lost the tip of my finger. It grew back, uh, healed up pretty well. And believe it or not, thanks to it being a carbon blade, because it sliced so finely and so cleanly, that helped my healing tremendously. Had it been a wooden prop or something like that, it would have been ragged. It would have been a ragged cut. But that uh, carbon, right. that carbon blade made it nice and clean and everything pretty much grew back, you know, and I missed the bone. I didn't cut off any bone. I just cut off that little fleshy bit on the end. Well, I, I like carbon blades. I, you win as far as the stitches go. I, I got 13 of them when I ran over myself on my own airplane. I was actually flying mine. And, uh, every morning I would go out and fly at the bus stop when my kid, you know, was in school. Now this wasn't a huge plane. You're just talking like a little park flyer now. You're not talking about like your Fontana or anything. Yeah, Katana. Katana. You're not talking like, that, like an eighty-inch plane. You're talking like a a regular thirty-inch little plane, right? No, no. I it was my three D ah, hobby okay. shop airplane. I have a three D hobby shop SHP. Uh, it's an extra SHP, and and I was out flying it with the kids at the bus stop. You know, so I was flying up and down the street, and the bus came while I was still flying. And of course, I'm trying to say goodbye to my kid getting on the bus. The bus is sitting there. I, my battery is beeping, you know, cause I had a little timer that used to tell me the battery was getting low. And, and so I'm like going, hurry up, move out of the way, you know, get the bus out of, out of my landing zone. Cause I landed on the street there in, in my neighborhood. So I'm flying it around and I, I went on a real long final approach and I was coming down the final approach. Unbeknownst to me, there's a light pole there and I didn't really even notice it most Never of do. the time, but in this particular instant, yeah, in this particular instance, the plane disappeared behind the light pole. Now, you would think that it it's a little bitty light pole in this big airplane, but it's just the, the view that I had, it disappeared. So I, I went, oh, man, I, I lost the sight of the airplane, so I took a step forward, and when I did, I fell off the curb. because I was standing. <laughs> Those are some tall curbs you have down there. Standing too close. My goodness. Oh, my gosh, they were terrible. No, I wasn't paying attention. I was looking for the airplane. So when I took a step forward on the sidewalk, I didn't realize, but I – I stepped off the curb, but I actually kind of tripped and fell off the curb. So as I started to stumble, I looked up and the airplane, I had now jumped in front of the airplane. <laughs> so the airplane's coming in to land. I've got the throttle about half, you know, cause I'm trying to get back to myself. I didn't realize how close it was because of the stupid light pole. As a result, it's right. Kind of like what your story was. It's right in my face. And I threw my arm up uh, to block my face. And right as I did it, uh, the prop hit me in the fleshy part of the hand and then the arm kind of did exactly what you did. It just kind of chop, chop, chop right down my arm. Kintsu uh, but I caught the airplane. Amazingly enough, I caught it by the, uh, the wing. <laughs> and luckily once again, I have, uh, like I said, I hold my radio in my left hand. I slam the throttle off 
locked my thumb around it, and now I'm holding the airplane by the wing. And of course, I thought, wow, that was lucky. Very similar to you. I didn't realize till I looked down and there I'm standing literally in a pool of blood and my airplane's covered in blood, my arms covered because it the prop going through your flesh, it slings all that stuff around. It's like a splatter pattern, you know. And it's spinning anyway, but it was a ACP prop. So it was the plastic one. They're sharp. They're, uh, they're... yeah. And they are super sharp too. They're, they're, they're just, just behind Mm. the the carbon fiber. And so it cut me pretty good. I wound up getting about 13 stitches and uh, yeah, I had to call the wife and tell her I was on my way to emergency (laughs) room. I'm I'm going to urgent care. Really? Why? Cause I just ran over myself in my own airplane and, I still, to this day, I think there's blood spurts down the side of the airplane. You know, if you look really hard, I've tried to clean it all off, but sometimes that stuff stains. But the the key and the moral to this story is yes, a prop wrench or or some kind of a piece of pliers to take the prop nut off and pull the prop off. uh, Whether you're flying or working on it, my case is a little different because I was actually flying it, but uh, nine times out of 10, you can save yourself a lot of heartache by just removing the propeller. And I think people, the other problem with this hobby is that people always think that these are just toys. I mean, they are toys, but they think that it's like a toy grade thing and it can't hurt them. And nothing could be further from the truth. I mean, we're talking about, you know, in our instances, it was a carbon prop or a, a plastic, really heavy plastic APC prop, but you can cut yourself with a GWS, one of those thin orange flimsy props as well. Yeah, absolutely. Those things, uh, I mean, they don't rotate very quickly and they're kind of fat, but yeah, if you catch it right at the right point, or if you've been flying around and it's drug across the ground or, you know, the cement, Mm -hmm. it it can, it can cause a sharp little edge. I've seen them where they actually cracked the tip fell off, but it made like a a fork. Oh yeah. Yeah. Where the, where it kind of split. And I I've seen guys cut themselves on those because they went to go pick their plane up or they've been over or it started uh, as they were carrying it. And that's another safety thing too, is that how you handle the airplane? Because I, I see a lot of guys that are, st- that stand in front of their airplane and they're messing with it. You should always stand behind the airplane so that the airplane's facing away from you and not towards the flight line. Well, it, it's important too, when you're at, I mean, I, I've flown with clubs and like you said, you're in a, in a formal club, so to speak down there with, with, with your group. And it's important to set up, have a, where the air you're flying with that everybody kind of come to a, a concession on how they're going to set up their flight line and how they're going to set up where they're flying, you know, where you can work on your planes when you work on your planes or you're messing with them, revving the throttle or doing whatever that it's not pointed towards the group or it's away from the group that you're behind the flight line. The people stay behind the flight line. They know where, where they can step out when they step out in the field to call it so that other people hear it. Cause I mean, you've probably seen this as well. People, will crash or something will happen. I'll just walk right out into the field and you come in for this beautiful landing that you've been working on all afternoon. You finally, you you know, you get all your ducks get in a row and you're making this beautiful approach. And there it is. There's a guy out there and he has this little sun or something and you're right at head level, you know? And so you just dump it in the ground or you, you know, you, you do something horrific to your aircraft in order to save that person. It's amazing that people don't have the where all to think, Hey, I need to announce that I'm walking on the field or get into the habit of doing that. Or they see it, you know, people don't do that at their field or let people know. So what do you guys do? Well, our field has uh, you know, it's a public park and uh, half of the field uh, is for the kids to go play in their little spot. And then we have half of the field to go fly. And they really regulate the type of airplanes, how big they are or supposed to be how big they are. They're not supposed to weigh, you know, any more than a park flyer. But you are correct. We do have people that walk their dogs on a daily basis. They go, you know, wander around outside and let their dogs, they play ball with their dogs right out where we're flying. And it is kind of troublesome if you're up, your eyeballs are up in the sky watching your airplane and something happens and you come down out of the sky, there could be somebody standing right in the middle of our field. Uh, And so we do have a tendency to, you know, kind of tell each other, somebody will be watching and they'll say, Hey, you got people on the, on the, you know, the runway or the flying field, there's people out there. It's basically a dog park right there. They use it as a dog park too, right? Well, it's not really technically a dog park, but they just bring their dogs. They run them around out there. So there are more dogs because it's right in the middle of a neighborhood area. And uh, those people bring their dogs out to the park to play ball or whatever. Doesn't it get a, a little annoying that people sometimes let their dogs off the leash to run or, or they have them running around the field and you're trying to land and, and then the dogs 
do what dogs do. The nature, they see something flying low to the ground. They might want to chase it or <laughs> we do. We No, no, we have those. Sometimes it's fun to chase the dog around or birds or whatever. I mean, you know, if you can, if you can keep up with that kind of thing, but we have had it where dogs have tried to grab the airplane or jump up and grab the airplane. And luckily nobody's had any incidences that I'm aware of, but uh, yeah, if a dog got a hold of that foam and just, you know, bit into it or shook his head with it there, shook it like a rag doll. The airplane's coming apart, but we try, you know, we, we try to fly as a group and, um, you know, initially we would always, we would only fly one at a time and, and that got to be kind of long winded, you know, where we would have to wait for the one guy, then the next guy was up, who's up. But, but with the park flyers and, and the types of airplanes we fly, they're very lightweight, they're EPP. Um, we, we have a tendency now to fly through, you know, two or three or four of us at a time and, and we're able to kind of have a couple of us putting batteries in the next gal step up. We do have a flight line. We have a sidewalk that kind of goes there and everybody steps off the sidewalk and we try to fly, you know, out in the area in front of us. We try never to fly behind us. That's kind of a rule. If somebody does get behind us, then, you know, somebody else is kind of watching because we've had a couple of near misses, so to speak, where someone got behind us and, and kind of flew through the, through the group. And that's always dangerous too, especially when somebody's not watching get hit with an airplane, that prop's still turning. You, know, you should always be ready to just shut the throttle off. I, I would much rather sacrifice the airplane than to have somebody get hurt. Right. So do you guys, how do you, how do you guys decide on um, the direction to fly or does that matter? With uh, it doesn't really matter for our group because it, we're, like I said, we're flying little park flyers. So there's not really a designated runway. We always kind of fly left-hand pattern, so to speak. I do have a couple of park jets that I fly. They're EDFs and they're kind of small and they're very, very fast. There's a tree line and I'll go stand in line with the trees and I will fly in a box pattern when I fly the big jet. Not the big jet, but I fly the fast movers. Right. If I fly something small like my crack turbo beaver or the F-22, you know, the little Depron F-22, those things, they're, they're not very fast anyway and they don't really go out very far. I'm not flying, you know, a quarter mile away or flying it mock two or any of that stuff so we just kind of try and keep them as close into that little area as possible and it's kind of fun when you're flying the little you know depron f-22 stuff because we'll dogfight and we'll go out there and there's not really a direction we're trying to run into each other right or when or when you and i were out flying the wings doing combat stuff you're just kind of chasing each other around but uh we have had you know one or two near misses and we have had a couple of uh of midairs but luckily for us, the EPP foam bounces back pretty quick. And, you know, we haven't had anything where it was totally destroyed. Not like you and I. I mean, we had a right. mid-air collision where, and we were flying in a, in a with a runway and at a club that required us to fly in a pattern. And we still wound up finding each other in the air. Well, you, you always hit each other when you don't want to hit each other. And like when we fly the combat wings and we want to hit each other, we can't hit each <laughs> That's other. That's right. So, That's true. Go figure. Yeah. Yeah. For my group, you know, we have an actual club and the nice part about that is before we like, we'll have a, like a monthly event. And the nice part about them, the monthly events are we show up and just before we start flying, we have a, an actual meeting with everybody and we'll lay out the rules for the day. So if the winds are coming, you know, primarily from the North, you know, we'll, we'll set up and fly in that direction. We'll set up safety cones. Our particular area floods, depending on the time of the year. You know, uh, the tide will bring in some some uh, water into the field, and so we'll talk about that and what areas are wet and stuff. So that's kind of nice because that's one less thing you have to think about, and it gets briefed to you, and, and everybody's on the same sheet of music for rules and and doing things consistently and all the same. So it, it makes it very a very safe environment to fly in. And you you have a runway there though too, right? Yes. The paved runway. So you you do have an area where people take off and land. Unlike my park, which is just really just a big open spot full of grass, there's not really a designated runway. I I really wouldn't call that grass. You know what (laughs) I mean. It's Arizona grass. Yeah, Arizona grass. There you go. (laughs) It's about as close to grass as we can get in this heat. (laughs) Actually, it's actually starting to get nice now because it's cooler here and they're watering it more, so it'll get a little thicker. And then it's nice to land. So the the flight line you were talking about flight line. You do you actually have boxes that you fly in? Like you well, have a flight box, a pilot box. Well, it uh, yes. So normally our the way our fields are set up, 
uh, we'll have a flight line, we'll have a uh, pit area, and we'll have a viewing area so that if you bring guests or people who aren't flying, you know, they pretty much have to stay in the viewing area or they're helping you in the pit area, you know, type of thing. And then we'll also have on the flight line, everything set up for, we'll have anywhere from six to eight boxes. As long as there's somebody in the box, you know, you go into the box and you fly unless you're there to either buddy box with the person or whatever. So once again, if you just had a guy who's a helper, well, he still has to stay back in the pit area or back in the viewing area and, th and therefore minimizing the amount of people that are out on the field in the actual flight line part. And, that, and the reason we do that is because occasionally uh, we fly, you know, park flyers, of course, there, but it's, it's a regular RC field. So we have gas powered models, you know, quarter, quarter scale models. Um, and a lot of times we'll have a guy usually doing a maiden. And when that happens, we'll shout out that a guy's doing a maiden. And even though, once again, these are really experienced pilots, things go wrong. And we've had it where a guy will take off and the CG is not in the right location. And the plane has got, it goes out of control. And luckily, because we minimize the amount of people out there, the plane will go out of control. We have a minimum amount of people in on the flight, on the flight line. We, we avert a, a disaster because the plane may crash, but luckily it may not hit anybody uh, or go into the cars or the pits, that type of thing. So uh, that's pretty that's pretty nice from a safety standpoint to keep everybody safe. And you have benches that you can work on. You mentioned that earlier. Yes. You, you actually have benches uh, yes. per station where you can pick up stuff and set it on there. Yes. I remember when I was up there, we had several airplanes on the on the bench. Yeah, and that's, that's really convenient. Being in a city park, we, we don't have that option. So we're probably down on our hands and knees messing with the, you know, the airplane. Uh, we do have a metal a park bench, and that kind of is where everybody meets for the morning, you know, flying. And then we fly away from the bench or facing away from the bench so that some guys can sit on the bench and watch. Uh, there are people that are walking on the sidewalk between the bench. The bench is on one side of the sidewalk, and then there's a sidewalk, and then we fly on the other side of that. But I will tell you that most everybody has their airplanes behind our bench uh, in the little group that I'm in now. And and sometimes that, you know, it works for us. But if we want to put batteries in or, or get the airplane fixed or whatever, we either move out to the flight line or we turn it the other direction so it's facing away from the guys that are sitting on the park bench. If anybody maidens anything or gets, you know, ready to fly something they've never flown before, we all get behind the park bench because <laughs> it's metal. And you'll see us when someone starts to fly uh, a quad or whatever, then we'll go, okay, and we'll all kind of stand behind it. And we kind of fight for space to see if anything happens, we're going to duck down behind the park bench. Exactly. I think we have the same thing up here as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's just being smart. Now, since you're since your field or where you fly is in a city park and anybody can come there and fly, I mean, have you had any instances where you just have somebody who's there and they're not aware of like, say the AMA rules or safety guidelines, um, or they don't listen to you guys or, you know, or they're not courteous and they're just doing some crazy. Have you had any, any type of situation like that out there? Uh, we have not luckily, we do have a younger guy with us, and uh, sometimes he gets a little out of hand. But most of the time, the guys that I'm flying with are pretty responsible. We fly out in front. Uh, I I've never really run into anybody that's reckless, if that's what you're asking. Uh, we have had incidences where the quads have kind of gotten a little bit close to people, but uh, the airplanes really really not so much. Right. And I, and I think, once again, with the quad guys, and they kind of get a bad rep with the quads because – they they're small, you know, the, the quads are getting smaller and smaller, but they're also getting more powerful. They may only have a five inch blade on them and the guys or new people may not think, ah, what can a five inch blade do? But they're still quite powerful and they may be using a three or four cell battery. They can do a number on you and they, and they still weigh like almost a pound with the battery and everything else. And so if you're not paying attention, you're zipping in and out of the trees and close to people. And if that hits somebody, you know, they're, it's going to leave a mark. Yeah, we you know we talked about the the blades on the airplane and the hello and the the quads, but we really didn't talk about the airplane itself. And you and I were at the electric festival when somebody actually got hit by an airplane. Oh, that's right. They they didn't get cut by any propeller, but they got hit with the front end of the airplane, and yeah. it really did some damage. This it was a bigger style aircraft. It was very big. 
and they were in the box and exactly what you talked about. The CG was not right. The airplane kind of got out of control. Everybody started yelling and it hit them in, in the forehead and, and actually not only did it do some damage, but it split, you know, split the skull, not really the skull, but right. it split the, the, you know, her, it right on the scalp. And the, and yeah. Right on the scalp. And it kind of like split that skin. Cut on the scalp and, like that. But it, it knocked her down. I mean, it literally yeah. knocked her right to the floor. And and once again, it wasn't an EPP type airplane, but I'm just saying that not only the props dangerous, but the airplane itself can be, uh, you know, a missile. <laughs> if, I, I want to say that particular plane, it, it weighed like 12 to 15 pounds. It, it was, it was pretty big. It was pretty sizable, so it's probably not a park flyer type airplane. No, uh, no. But that's not saying that we haven't seen those type of of that big of an airplane in the park. I mean, I'm I'm guilty of it too. I have an 87 inch Cub I've flown in the park, but uh, you know, it works off a of six cell, and it is a very large uh, airplane. And matter of fact, I used the picture of it for the cover art, I think, for this podcast. But it, it's a large airplane, and if something happened to it. It could do some damage if it hit someone or it fell out. Of, I don't want to say fall out of the sky, but if something happened and a control surface jammed or it started coming down, it, it could be very devastating to humans, dogs, cats, animals, or someone's house, uh, which is always one of those things that we got to watch out to flying in a park as opposed to you flying at a club. There's houses all the way around this park, and if I get outside of my flying area, I'm now over top of someone's house. If I crashed into the top of their house with a lipo battery, it could it could cook off, and now I'm, I'm calling the, calling nine one one again. Yeah, yeah. Well, you drive a, Fier- a Ferrari, so you know you're covered. You're good. <laughs> I don't drive a Ferrari, but you're right. That is that is true. No, we um we we just need we you know we want to caution everybody to kind of be careful and just use your head and. You know, the big things that we talk about are the radio, being able to program your radio for the on-off switch. I always put a voice to that. We talked about that earlier. Uh, Taking your prop off anytime you're doing maintenance. Being being aware of your radio settings when you're plugging the battery in as well. We didn't really talk about that, but there's been times, I know when you and I have been messing around and we were programming the radio. The radio's on. It's on a different model. You know, we have... 250 some odd model choices in there and and we've got many of that stacked in there and we have we've been messing with one model switch to another one plug it in luckily for us the dx18 and the dx9s don't usually recognize it but that's not saying that if you had a different type of radio that it wouldn't it wouldn't go off yeah our the older analog style radios were like that you know right it didn't matter they would just come on right and I've seen it happen uh, here uh, at the field. We had uh, another guy that plugged, you know, he, he had his radio sitting on the bench and it got bumped when someone moved it. He plugged the, the battery in. When the ESC went through and kicked on, it recognized that the throttle, it didn't have one of those safety features, so it recognized the throttle was about halfway. And sure enough, it started up and almost hit him in the face too, so... It's just one of those things that, uh, from a safety perspective, you just got to be careful. I mean, like you and I, like I said, we normally have a routine or I'm not saying you have to have a checklist per se, but for someone new coming into this hobby, I don't think safety is pushed all that much. I mean, great. You have the box and they show you having fun, you know, the pictures on the box and you just run out wherever and fly something, whether it's a quad or whether it's a plane and people don't think about it because once again, it's a glorified toy you know, what harm could it do? They don't realize the serious nature behind this particular hobby or what damage could happen. But even starting out, they have to have a checklist, a base, not just five steps, four steps of things they do. And they do it all the time, you know, a pre-flight checklist, or we talked about, I think this before, uh, one of our previous uh, podcasts, going over, making sure that uh, your control surface, you're going the right direction. Uh, making sure that your cutoff switch works, making sure that your battery's charged, that you're using a charged battery, not putting back in an old battery. Just little things like that. Making sure that the the runway's clear or the area is clear. Uh, announcing if you're flying a, a plane that's that you're about to maiden. Being aware of other animals, critters, 
other people who wouldn't be aware of, like you said, dog walkers. Um, cause I noticed that when I was down there flying with you was the dog walkers, they would just boldly walk right out in the field, right in front of you. And they wouldn't give it two thoughts. And I'm just like, Whoa, <laughs> they're not even saying like, excuse me or hello or anything. They just walk out there like they own the place and they could see that there's a group of, you know, eight guys here flying and they're <laughs> not giving us any mind whatsoever. So you, you, you gotta be aware of, of things like that. And you're the culpable one. If something happens, unfortunately. We, we have had uh, an incident, Phil, I think we've had him uh, a guest, you know, kind of guest on the podcast. He, uh, he cut his finger pretty good too. He has a, a pusher park flyer and it had a pusher. Okay. He went to go, la- he went to go launch it. I think he went to go launch it or, or something uh, happened. Uh, and, and how, do you cut he, your, how do you do that? How do you cut your finger on a pusher? You know, you know, something in the rear, right? Like, like the Bixler or. Like that yeah. style planer. Yeah, that, that it's no, it was a park jet. It was an F eighteen, I believe, and it had the propeller in the oh, back. Oh, 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 okay. I, right. I didn't so quite understand. I'm the... just like, wow, he was really trying hard to get himself hurt. That's <laughs> right. that's that's always good. Yeah, no, the Bixler, it's on top. This one was in the very back, like towards the tail section. But he uh, he actually wound up uh, cutting his finger pretty good. And uh, like I said, it happens in about a split second, and next thing you know, he was like, oh. And he was bleeding. And uh, luckily, I think I said in a previous podcast, we had some Blenderm. Everybody kind of ran over there and put the Blenderm on. I think he said he'll send us a picture for us to post. But uh, I think he got. He said he got five stitches. Uh, and he had to go to, to the urgent care as well. Uh, urgent care as well. So we, we, we call in this podcast 911, you know, emergency. We, we don't want you to have to call 911, but we want you to be safe. And we want you to have fun. That's the whole purpose of this. And uh, just a few tips I think we've talked about tonight and the funny stories with you and me uh, getting cut. I think everybody's probably got a, a blade or oh, yeah. know, some kind of an aircraft accident where they ran it off the table. I think we did that once too, right? We uh, yes. did something and it went flying off the bed or flying off the table. Whatever works, the work surface that we were working on and the airplane went shooting off of there because we had the, the prop attached to it and we actually – powered it up accidentally and, and i will so. tell you the wife usually is not too pleased when uh you know your plane's going down the hallway whack 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 cutting cutting itself down the hallway across her freshly painted hallway <laughs> if she's they're usually not too pleased about that i don't know no, why never is I, i'm surprised you know that i'm still married actually i've had enough incidences <laughs> that 20 years now but uh we actually have an anniversary coming up so it's this week actually oh congratulations tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. So you'd think after all this time she would have said I'm out, but uh, <laughs> no. He puts up with all my shenanigans. Um, I'm sure she she's she feels she's going to change you. So you know. Yes, she still tries after all these years. So good for her. I got it. It's good. <laughs> I you know what? Let her try. Well, what? Uh, any other safety tips that we can uh, pass along to our podcast? Uh, audience i i i think i'm almost safetyed out mike i, I can really yeah. can't think of anything else yeah we've kind of covered everything we uh talked about the neck straps and the cutoff switches and the programming it uh, the box or programming the radio keeping your thumb over the radio um oh so i guess some basic things uh everybody pretty much carries a cell phone nowadays you know just in case something does happen so that's one that's good true. thing um so pretty much everybody does that uh, already yeah buddy i am i think I, I i really can't really think of anything else well if you can think of anything that's happened uh, feel free to jump on and give us a comment i uh, would like you to to hear your story if you've had one and uh, we appreciate your support and attendance We hope you have a great uh, night, and we hope to see you on the next podcast. For Michael here in Arizona. And Jay in the AK. We appreciate you listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. You have been listening to the Park Flyer Podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to your next visit. Please give our show a star rating and review, and feel free to email us your questions, topics, or suggestions to Park Flyer Podcast at gmail.com.